Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. a few moments today about heaven. Mm, Only three of you are excited about heaven. (laughs) A Sunday school teacher was wondering if her class really understood the gospel. So she asked them this question. If I sold my house and my car, if I had a big garage sale and gave all the money that I had to the church, would that get me into heaven? Her kids shouted, no. Well, what if I cleaned the church every day? I mowed the grass and I kept everything neat and, 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 and clean. Would that get me into heaven? And they all shouted, no. Well, she says, what if I was kind to animals and I gave candy to all the children and I loved my husband? Would that get me into heaven? Again, they said, no. So she says, well, then how can I get into heaven? A five-year-old boy raised his hand and he said, you got to be dead. <laughs> How many know he's kind of right? It's kind of a prerequisite. I want to explore the topic of eternity today and try to answer a question. What really happens when you die? What happens when you die? When you breathe your final breath here on this earth, what about the afterlife? You know, what's next? I mean, is this world all there is? You know, it's interesting. Not long ago, I was walking through Barnes & Noble, and, uh, you know, you can find. We live in a very spiritual time, don't we? I mean, people are avoiding religion, but they're very spiritual. There are over 200 books at Barnes & Noble on the afterlife. And some of the titles I wrote down, there's a book called Crossing Over, Talking to the Deceased. Uh, There's a book called Animals and the Afterlife, True Stories of Our Best Friend's Journey Beyond Death. I like this book, How to Avoid Death and Taxes and Live Forever. (laughs) You know, it's amazing to me that man's most expert opinions are speculation at best. You know what the irony is? The most brilliant minds of our time, I mean, they can talk to us about what they think the afterlife is about. They can do their best to answer this question, and they never really know. They never really know for sure. But the biggest fool, the minute he dies, one second after he breathes his last, he knows for sure. I want to talk to you about the afterlife. I want to talk to you about heaven. And, and I'm not trying to be morbid. You know, I've, really, I've had this message burning in my spirit for several months And I know we've been walking through different series and and teaching and equipping and talking about it takes a village and, you know, trying to equip families and men and women to walk in the purposes of God. But what's it all for? What's it all about? When you cross the finish line here, what's next? When it comes to your final destination, how many of you know guesswork doesn't count? You don't want to leave your eternal destiny to chance. Can I have a good amen? You don't want to go eeny, meeny, miny, moe, flip a coin, uh, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. 
You know, you got to have some clarity on what happens after this life. And I want to just take you very simply through the scriptures and give you four, maybe three or four steps that the Bible is very clear on when it comes to the afterlife. If you're taking notes, I want to start right out of the gate by giving you this. Here's what the Bible is clear about. Number one, I want you to write this down because history makers are note takers. Write this down. Number one, this life is a temporary assignment. Somebody say temporary. It's the dress rehearsal before the real production. It's the warm-up lap before the race actually begins. It's the practice workout before the game. You see, the Bible warns us against the dangers of getting too attached to what we see around us. There's a danger between getting comfortable to what we see and where we are and how this whole thing works. The Scripture calls us aliens. 1 Peter 2.11, the Bible calls us aliens. The Bible calls us strangers. The Bible says we are foreigners. Look at what the Scripture says in Philippians 3. Here's what Paul said. Philippians 3.19, he says, They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven. Heaven is where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. You see, Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's saying, hey, don't just live for what you see. There's an unseen world. Your citizenship is not just here on earth. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You are citizens of heaven. So your thoughts shouldn't just be on what you see, living for today. Can I have a good amen? And we can't be lulled into sleep or conditioned in our thinking that what we see is all there is. This world, this life is temporary. You know, I remember when, uh, I guess this was, oh, goodness, 19, maybe 20 years ago now. I see Alexa's 19. Yes, it was 20 years ago. Rachel was eight months pregnant with Alexa, and I went on one of my first missions trips around the world. I was gone for 21 days. Can you believe she let me go on a 21-day trip, and she was eight months pregnant? How many know that's love right there? I mean, we were in places like Sri Lanka, and we did a crusade in Sri Lanka. We spent some time in, in, in India. Um, we, we did ministry in Africa. I mean, literally circled the globe. It took me 21 days. And I remember the impact of that trip on my life. I mean, it stretched me because here I am. I'm a little boy from Prairieville, Louisiana. I mean, I find myself in Colombo, Sri Lanka. I mean, there's like 30,000 people in this soccer stadium, and we're preaching. I mean, the whole experience was just surreal to me. I mean, everything about it was just strange. It was different. I mean, the, 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 the culture was different. The food was very different. The, the, the laws and the language was totally different. In fact, during this crusade, I spoke with not one but two interpreters because the dialect was so diverse. I would say it in English. One person would interpret it in Tamil, and another one would interpret it in Singalese. And so by the time it wrapped around me, I'd forgotten what I said in the first place. And I'll never forget being gone for 21 days. And when that plane landed into Baton Rouge and I got off that plane, I just wanted to kiss the ground. 
I just want to say gumbo. Give me some gumbo. Thank you, Lord, for humidity. I love it. Mosquitoes, I'm home. And I saw Rachel. She was large and in charge, baby. Man, I just want to wrap my arms around that girl. Do you remember that? You met me in the airport. It's my baby. She's walking, beep, beep, beep. Big old girl, I'm just hugging her. But girl, you lost all that baby weight. Now look at you. I was so glad to be home, hugging, kissing that girl. I said, man, I never want to leave home again. And then the Holy Spirit whispered to me, be careful what you call home. Mm. He says, this world is not your home. It reminds me of the story that I heard of, of the great missionary to Africa, Henry Morrison. He and his wife for over 40 years had given their life serving on the mission field. And so after 40 years of service, they were coming home. And so they, they boarded a, a ship to cross the Atlantic, and little did they know that on that same boat was President Teddy Roosevelt. They pull into the harbor in New York, and man, they're after four, I mean, four decades of doing the Lord's work in Africa, and they're so anxious to come home, and they're wondering who's going to be there for them. They get off the boat, and, and, and you know, there were parades, and, and, and there was, you know, banners, and there were bands that were playing, because Teddy Roosevelt had been on a hunt in Africa, and he just made it back. And so all the commotion and celebration was for the president. By the time Henry and his wife stepped off the boats, all the crowds had gone. And he thought, well, after 40 years, Lord, we've been doing your work. We've served and sacrificed and given our lives for the mission field. And yet, where's our welcome home party? And then he, he heard the Lord whisper in his ear, this isn't home. This isn't home. You see, hear me, church, when it comes to eternity, you've got to recognize that this life is a temporary assignment. Man, we're, we're, we're foreigners. We're strangers. We're just passing through. Have you ever been to an airport and you've seen these people who make themselves at home? And they like, you know, I mean, they spread their stuff out. You know, they take up three seats. They kick their shoes off. You know, it's like they just, they just kind of camp out like, like they're going to be living there. And you're thinking, no, baby, you got to catch a plane. You know, you're not going to be staying here much longer. And God's message to the church is don't get comfortable in this life because this life is not all that there is. How many of you are thankful that your hope is not in this life only? Have you ever been restless? Have you ever been discontent? Have you ever longed for something more or just felt like something was missing? Listen, C.S. Lewis said this, I have found in myself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy. My only conclusion is this, I was made for another world. You and I weren't made to live here forever. And let me encourage you, the pain in this life is temporary. The struggle in this life is temporary because this life is a temporary assignment. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, and this, this gives us perspective on eternity. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Can somebody help me preach this morning? I don't know what you're going through today, but hear me. Now is not forever. This life is temporary. Maybe you feel like you're struggling, and, and, and maybe you're going through a dark season, a difficult time. Maybe you feel like the enemy has just hammered you. He keeps coming against you. And the minute you try to lift up your head, you feel the weight of the world pushing you down. Please know this. Paul said that all the suffering that we have here on this earth, it's temporary. One day there is coming a glory. Well, the, the pain that you've experienced here on earth can't even touch the glory that you'll see in heaven. Come on, are you with me this morning? If I can use a, a football analogy, um, it's kind of like yesterday at Tiger Stadium. You knew I was going there. You knew I would say something about it. Man, when you're down 20 to nothing, come on, somebody struggling, can't even make a first down. Man, you just feel it, man. We got number 10 ranked Auburn. God bless Auburn. But God's an LSU fan. <laughs> Look, Trevor was so discouraged. He left. He went to his room, and I hear him banging around in there. I walk in. I'm like, boy, what are you doing? He said, I'm playing basketball. I'm like, you don't even like basketball. Get back in here. He was losing hope. He said, Dad, I just can't stand to watch the Tigers play this way. I said, hey, now is not forever. All it took was a kick, a little punt return for a touchdown. The momentum begins to change. See, some of you, the scoreboard of your life is not what you want it to be. Some of you are so discouraged in this life. I'm going to tell you what, it's only halftime. There's, 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 there's something beyond this life. You see, when Jesus comes back, and oh, I'm already getting ahead of myself, but when Jesus comes back, he takes everything that was wrong and he makes it right. I don't know what the score of your life is now, but when Jesus steps in the picture, things change. Please, don't carry the weight of this world because now is not forever. The Bible reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven. Number two, number two, you will live forever somewhere. Now, this life is a temporary assignment, but you and I are going to live forever somewhere. One day, your heart will stop beating, and it may end your time here on earth, but it won't be the end of you. You see, listen, death is not termination, it's simply transition. When you breathe your last, and let's be very, very clear, because I know there's a lot of speculation, and we've heard a lot of different theories and thoughts and ideas of the afterlife, but the Scripture is clear about what's next. It, there, there's only one of two places. Now, you know, I, I thought about this, especially in America, we love choices. We love the ability to make choices. How many of you, you like to go to a restaurant and you choose, you, you check out the menu, and you're like, hmm, what, what am I going to eat today? I love, uh, we're empowered to make choices. And in life, there are many choices. You know, Trevor's favorite place to eat is Izzo's because he's got choices. Y'all ever been to Izzo's? Y'all ever stood in line at Izzo's and you're looking at that menu and you're thinking, man, where do I get started? You know, first time we went to Izzo's, I'm like, okay, we step up to the counter and I'm, I'm like, I'm a little overwhelmed. 
You know, you ever had to make choices on the spot because you know you got a long line behind you and you're a little unprepared? Or let me just ask you this. Have you ever been in that long line? Wait, you know what you're going to order, but the guy in front of you can't make up his mind? I'm that guy. Okay, what do you want? Okay, let's start with the, 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 the tortilla. The, what do you want? You want a, a wheat? You want it flour? You want spinach? You want cayenne? I'm like, uh, what's cayenne? I, 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 I don't. Uh, okay, what kind of meat do you want? You want chicken? You want ground beef? You want fajita meat? You want, you want shrimp? You, what, 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 okay, how do you want it? You want, you want pico de gallo? You want some, some onions? You want, okay, jalapeno? Okay, you want some sour cream? How about guacamole? It's extra. I know guacamole is extra. I know it. Give me my guacamole. I'm going to put it all. Okay, do you want the meal deal? You want chips and queso? I, I, I don't know. Okay, what size do you want? You want the misdemeanor? You want the felony? You want the super felony? Say, so, okay, cash, credit, debit. Uh, okay, I'm just hungry. Give me something to eat. And we have all these different choices in life. But listen to me. When it comes to eternity, there are only two. Only two, heaven or hell. Now, you can't talk about the glory and splendor of heaven without mentioning something about hell. And I know there may be some people in here say, oh, I knew it. I knew it. That pastor hates people. You're going to condemn people to hell. Anytime you want to make a Christian look like they're a bigot or look narrow-minded or legalistic, just start talking about hell. But let me tell you this. There are 60 verses in the Gospels that talk about hell. Jesus made reference to an eternity apart from him. And this is, now I'll be honest with you. I have preached in my entire ministry, I've probably preached a handful of times specifically on hell. It is nauseating. It is exhausting. It is uncomfortable to talk about hell. I don't enjoy that. If I could create my own theology, I would just love to leave that part out of it. But how many of you know we don't have that choice? I didn't set the rules of the game. I didn't put it all together. This is according to the sovereignty of God. You say, well, Mike, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? I don't want to serve that God. Can I tell you, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there. And nobody in their right mind, I mean, think about it. Think about it. Uh, Again, C.S. Lewis said this, there are two kinds of people in this world. And and I think this is important to remember. He said there are two kinds of people in this world. Those who say to God, your will be done. And then there are those to whom God says, all right, have it your way. You see, your relationship to God here on earth will determine your relationship to him in eternity. There are some people on this earth who want nothing to do with Jesus. So guess what? In eternity, they get exactly what they want. Absolutely nothing to do with Christ. But then there are those of us who have determined, man, I don't want to do life without Jesus. And so guess what? In eternity, we won't have to because Jesus will be with us 
forever and forever and forever. You see, this life is a temporary assignment, but one day you're going to spend, you're going to live forever somewhere. Don't listen to these, even these pastors that are confused that try to explain hell away because it is so disturbing and it's so uncomfortable. And you got people writing books that, that try to, you know, pretend as if hell doesn't even exist. I think that's one of the tools of the enemy. He doesn't want you to know that there is an eternity apart from Christ. If he can get us to neglect the, 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 the desperation of hell, then we'll live in our complacency and our apathy and think we're okay. You're going to live forever somewhere. I think about my grandfather, and I know I've told this before. I love Easter because every Easter I'm reminded of my grandfather's testimony. He, he and my grandmother, they were married for 68 years, and probably when he was in his 30s. I don't remember his exact age, but uh, he, he loved to drink. He loved to chase women. He loved to party. He lived a crazy life. And so he was out late one night at a party, probably 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. They were leaving. He and a friend were leaving this party, and he was driving down the road, and he just couldn't see straight. He was about to fall asleep. So he and his buddy, they switched seats. And so his buddy took the wheel, and they were driving home. Well, shortly after they had switched seats, they got in a head-on collision. And my grandfather's best friend had died in that accident. And he lived with the guilt and the grief of such a traumatic experience. He couldn't figure out, that should have been me. I, I, I mean, had I stayed behind the wheel, that would have been me. He died in my place. Well, it wasn't long after that, Easter Sunday rolled around, and my grandfather never darkened the door of a church, but he felt like, and it was the Holy Spirit. He didn't know it at the time, but felt like he needed, to, he needed some answers. So he went in, in a small church in McAllen, Texas, walked into the back of that church on Easter Sunday, and he heard the pastor preach about a man who took our place. How Jesus died on the cross. That was our sin he died for. And for the first time, it began to make sense. And my grandfather stood up in the back of that little four-square church in McAllen, Texas, walked down the aisle, and gave his life to Jesus. Now, that decision didn't just impact him but it impacted my grandmother and their five daughters. My grandfather was a barber who cut hair for decades and raised five girls as a barber, a dollar a haircut. He fell in love with Jesus that day. It changed his life forever, raised my mom in church. Now, now think about this. I can remember in my grandfather's final moments, okay, he died in 2005. It had been married for 68 years to my grandmother. And this guy loved the Lord. I mean, was committed to church. He loved God. He knew that he was bought with a price. He knew where he was going. And so in his final moments, he and my grandmother, they were in the same nursing home. They were in bed side by side. And, and my grandfather lacked the strength to even say much. And so if he would talk, he would say it with a whisper, and you had to lean in to hear him. My grandmother told us that in the middle of the night, my grandfather... He clapped his hands, and he shouted at the top of his lungs, Whoopee! Hallelujah! And he breathed his last. He was going, I wonder what my grandfather saw when he said, Whoopee! Hallelujah! 
You see, my grandfather, when he died, and I preached his funeral from his Bible, this Bible, that was 1949 Bible, it was falling apart, but the markings on that Bible marked the priorities of his life. I knew what was important to him. He didn't, write any, he, he didn't uh, d- d- make any famous discoveries or write any significant books. He didn't leave us much money. Guess what? He left us something that money can't buy. He left us a legacy. And when I preached his funeral from his Bible that day, I knew where my grandfather was. My grandfather wasn't here. My grandfather was in heaven with Jesus. You see, you will live forever somewhere. And your relationship to God here on earth will determine your relationship to him in eternity. The third thing I want you to see is this. Number three, are you catching this today? Number three, Jesus promised to come back for those who are his. If you're here today and you have a relationship with the Lord God Almighty, if you've said yes to Jesus, you belong to him. And he's promised us in his word that he's coming back to get us. The scripture says in John 14, verse 3, he says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know what he's saying? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Isn't that awesome? What's happening in heaven right now for for those of us who belong to Jesus? He's making preparations. He's saying, when everything is ready, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then guess what? He sent us the Holy Spirit to prepare us for that place. Not only is he preparing a place for us, he's preparing us for that place. Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. The Bible says this, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with our Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Can I tell you, Jesus is coming back. I I, I don't know when, but he's coming back. And he's coming back for a church that's ready and watching for his return. What's he going to do whenever he comes back? Listen, when you die, you'll either end up in one of two places. You'll either be in in an eternity apart from Christ, which is hell. The Bible says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's torment. There's regret. There's outer darkness. The Scripture talks about this place apart from Christ. But you know what? The Bible also talks a lot about heaven. And for those of us who said yes to Jesus, we don't have to fear the future. Because we know that our future is already being prepared for us. Are you with me this morning? Here's why I think, and I wrote down some thoughts that I I love about heaven. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we're going to get a new body. Some of y'all to be shouting right now. How many of you, your bodies, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 that our bodies, they, they now disappoint us. How many of you get disappointed looking at that body? How many of you, the older you get, the more your body talks to you? Oh, yes. I wake up with new aches and new pains all the time. There's some aches and pains that have been around for a while, and I just kind of tolerate. But I recognize a new pain. Ooh, that didn't feel good. Wow, I'm not moving like I used to move. Have you noticed how your weight begins to redistribute itself the older you get? It used to be at the extremities, and now it kind of gathers around the equator. 
Come on, you used to have hair in some places. And it, it stops growing in places that it should. And it boldly goes to places that it has no business of going. Now, I know that some of you in here today, maybe you're 25 and younger. And at some deep, pre-conscious level, you're thinking, this will never happen to me. <laughs> Can I tell you, all of us that are 40 and older, we want you to know something. We love you. But it's going to happen to you. And frankly, we can't wait. <laughs> you know, when you're young, you say, man, I'm going to work out. Man, I'm going to eat right. And you got all these fancy goals. And then old man wrinkle just kind of reaches up and takes you. What do we do with our bodies? You can exercise it, starve it, Botox it, Rogaine it, stretch it, lift it, nip it, tuck it, tan it, dress it up at Neiman Marcus. Come on, somebody. But old man wrinkle will eventually win out. You see, the joy of heaven is this. The Bible says our bodies are buried in brokenness. They now disappoint us, but one day they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Can I have a better amen? You see, we won't be a prisoner to this old body. We'll have glorified bodies. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You know what else I think heaven's going to be amazing? Because we'll live in a custom-built house. Mm, what will that look like? I don't know, but he's been working on it for the last 2,000 years. Think about, hey, it only took God six days. Think about this. It only took God six days to make everything we see. But guess what's happening in heaven? He's still preparing a place for us. I wonder what that place is going to look like. You know what else in heaven? We're going to eat some amazing food. How many like to eat? How many of you, that's a spiritual gift of yours? I don't know what the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to include, but I hope it's got some gumbo. Come on, somebody. But here's perhaps my favorite thing about heaven, the no mores. The, the, the no mores. Listen, in heaven, there will be no more doctor's visits, no more prescriptions that need to be filled. There will be no more mortgage payments. Come on, glory. No more 5 o'clock traffic. Talk to me. No more road construction. Guess what? The streets in heaven are made of gold. There'll be no more debt, no more taxes, no more humidity, no more hurricanes, no more floods, no more wildfires, no more wondering if I'll ever find Mr. Right, no more abortion, no more terrorism, no more politics, no more hate, no more racism, no more mass shootings, no more homicide, no more genocide, no more guilt, shame, or condemnation. No more pain, no more temptation, no more crying, no more lying, no more dying, no more sad goodbye. All these things will be gone. That's what heaven's going to be like. One day, all this stuff will be gone. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her groom. And I heard a shout from the throne saying, look, God now lives among his people. He will be their God, and they will be his people. And he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more sickness, and no more pain. All these things will be gone forever. 
Then the one sitting on the throne looked at me and he said, behold, I make all things new. He said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Heaven will be a place of no more pain. Come on, if you're excited, put your hands together this morning. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.